0: Welcome to the More than Therapy Podcast via www.morethantherapy.org where we do more than therapy and you get thoughts of the day, interviews with extraordinary people, coping skills and strategies, and so much more. Get it? Find out more at www.morethantherapy.org And welcome to another episode of More Than Therapy. Last Sunday should have been a day filled with adrenaline pumping competition. Set to a soundtrack of cheers and the scuffle of sneakers on a basketball court. It wasn't supposed to be a day marred by a tragedy that took the lives of nine people and left a country and a world heartbroken. Many of the victims of the Calabasas helicopter crash were united in their love of basketball, headed to a tournament at the Mamba Sports Academy in Thousand Oaks. They included Kobe Bryant, his daughter Gianna, a budding basketball player who was ready to follow in her father's footsteps, basketball coach John Altobelli, his wife Carrie, and their basketball playing daughter Alyssa, Mother and daughter Sarah and Peyton Chester, Mamba Academy basketball coach Christina Mauser, and pilot Ara Zobayan. I'm here with Aubria, a community based licensed clinical social worker serving Durham, Wake, and Franklin County here in North Carolina. And today we talk about grief. Aubria, what are your thoughts about such a tragedy?
1: When I think about the Kobe Bryant tragedy, I think of how young he was. I think about the multiple lives that were lost. And just like everybody else, I find myself to be in shock.
0: Shock. There are seven stages of grief shock and denial. Pain and guilt. Anger and bargaining. Depression, reflection, and loneliness. Upward turn. Reconstruction and working through. And acceptance and hope. Regarding the first stage, which is not really considered the first stage because grief is not linear, what can you tell us about shock and denial?
1: Um... I would say the denial part would be the place where people go that will cause them to not feel as much pain as they should. The shock of death, even when we are expecting someone to go into the next phase of life, it keeps us from feeling overwhelmed all at once. Right. What are your thoughts?
0: I've experienced death in many different ways. War, gang ties, family, health, murder. And yeah, shock and denial. Shock was like, I can't believe it happened. Why did it happen? Whoa, what's going on? Nah, that shit ain't happened. There's no way that happened. Nah, that's a rumor. That's a, a lie. That ain't true. There's no way God would take him from me or take him from us. Yeah, like that.
1: I think <clears throat> when it comes to the, that shock and denial part, it lasts, it's probably the longest-lasting phase of grief because we usually stay into that phase until we actually go see the body. And then from there, you know, shock and denial is gone. Um... And we usually go into pain and guilt.
0: Right. Pain and guilt. What you got on that?
1: Um, I would say pain and guilt replaces, uh, as the shock wears off, it is replaced with suffering and unbelievable pain. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: And that pain can be almost unbearable at times. I know we all have heard of people who have died close together because of the love that they have for each other. People going to hospitals dealing with that. That would be that pain. And it is important that we experience that pain fully and not hide it, avoid it, escape from it, <clears throat> especially using alcohol and drugs. Um, some of us may have guilty feelings or remorse over things that we did or didn't do with that loved one.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I know a lot of us should have said, oh, my God, I wish I would have responded to that text, or I wish I was there. Or A perfect example would be Shaquille O'Neal, oldest son, saying that he wished he woke up early enough to respond to Kobe's last text. He overslept. And when he woke up, he woke up to the moods of... Kobe
0: Bryant passing away in a helicopter. Yeah. I Like I said, I experienced death in many fronts. <clears throat> and it's very painful, you know what I'm saying? It hurts, depression, all the things that go into that regarding grief. And then guilt, because, you know, the shoulda, woulda, couldas. Oh, I should have been there for them. I should have been where they were at, so that wouldn't have occurred. Or, or the complicated grief where it comes in where you's like, I wish I would have been a better friend, or talked to them more, or reached out to them. Or when they reached out to me last week for dinner and I declined, I really wish I would have went with them. Or if we had beef, I wish I would have been able to work through the beef so that we can resume our friendship. You know what I'm saying? Or relationship, or whatever it may be. I think that that's very, and I think with that guilt, that that's why those two are tied is pain, because you hurt because you wish you had a different outcome regarding your interactions in your relationship with that person, or regards to something that you could have done to have prevented their death, as if you were able to do so. But will be, but what will be will be. And everything happens for a reason, if we, even if we don't know the reason. The next stage, or the stage that is next, is anger and bargaining. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Anger and bargaining is probably the most interesting stage. I feel like it goes with pain and guilt. But <clears throat> anger and bargaining, that's usually when people say, Lord, why? Um, Lord, take them instead of me. Uh I will never drink again if you just bring him back. I think that goes along with that pain, that guilt. Um, As you start to feel that guilt for whatever reason, that pain. You also, you become overwhelmed with your anger and your bar- and you start to bargain. Um, the frustration gives way to anger, and that's when we may lash out. Um, and we blame death a lot of times on other people. Because it's just too much for us to take it We just need to blame somebody It's just too much for us to understand why they had to go um, But we A lot of us sometimes may Go against our fate Questioning things Questioning the Lord
0: Right I remember experiencing a lot of anger Regarding death Depending on who who died Or why they died Or how they died Like, of all people to take, why take them or why would you do that or why did they die that way? Like if they were murdered or in a tragic car accident or if they were, like, really young and they died before their time or what we thought was before their time. And lashing out with this anger, you know what I'm saying, being mad, you know what I'm saying, professing hate or anger towards, you know, my God or even, you know, somebody else who I might have felt was a part of that. And then bargaining, take me instead of them. Um, I'll stop doing this, this, and that, you know what I'm saying? I'll do this and this and that. I'll be what you want me to be. I'll align myself with what you want me to, to, to do. Anything, just bring that person back. Or don't allow them to die in such a way. But to no avail, you know what I'm saying, bargaining, even that anger is misplaced because it's not... It's not going to bring that person back. Nothing's going to bring that person back.
1: Do you ever feel like anger and bargaining is um, can be a way we cope with grief?
0: Yes, but it's not a healthy way to cope. We have to find healthier options regarding coping.
1: Hmm. I feel like bargaining is a way for us to put, to mentally put ourselves in a different mindset.
0: But who are you bargaining with and what is it what does it create? What is it what opportunity does it have? It has none because who you, you I'll do this, this and that. Those things might be the things you need to do anyway. So yeah, that makes a good point. So a good point, valid point there. But when it said all these things you're doing, it's not gonna bring that person's back. In fact, staying there trying to do that is just elongating the process of healing from that person's death. I agree. The next stage, depression, reflection, and loneliness. Your thoughts?
1: <sighs> depression usually takes place right after. Um, when it's all said and done. When we're done with the funeral, you know, we've done the repass. We didn't drink, party, had the friends, and everybody's gone. Nobody's calling you to see how you're doing. Nobody's stopping by the house. All them things that made you feel like you weren't alone. You are now alone. And you start reflecting on all your memories. You start thinking about all the moments you have with that person. Which take you back to feeling pain. And it takes you into a deep depression. You stay in a house. You don't want to talk to no one. It's, it's the time when you finally realize... The true magnitude of your loss. And that's what really depresses
0: you. Right. And then the reflection. You're looking back on the times you had with that person. The memories you had. A lot of times such memories are skewed because you're only looking at maybe the positives of that relationship. And then the loneliness because they're no longer there. They're, you're not able to have those experiences with that person anymore because they've died or were killed.
1: It's a sense of emptiness and despair.
0: Right. The next stage is upward turn. Tell us about upward turn.
1: Well, as you start to adjust to your life without your dear one, your life becomes a little calmer, um, more organized. Your physical symptoms Lesson, and your depression begins to lift slightly. Um, and those may be the times where you may go out to dinner with a friend every now and then.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, you may turn on a comedy show. You may not laugh, but you may have some type of interest in what's going on now in the world. Right, you start to come out that shell just a little bit you're not back to who you were completely but Mm -hmm. you start to do little things here or there you may walk, go outside go to a store, come right back
0: indeed the next stage is reconstruction and working through
1: So as you become more um, functional, your mind starts working again and you will find yourself seeking realistic solutions to problems posed by life without your loved one. Um, You will start to work on practical and financial problems and reconstructing yourself in your life without him or her. And for some of us, that's extremely hard. Think about that. For some of us who may have lost a partner a partner you probably was living with trying to reconstruct your life without that person that is mm, yeah that's a whole mindset of its own
0: yeah it's like a whole new chapter in your life you have to adjust to
1: yeah And you have to adjust to it unexpectedly.
0: Most times. Most times. The next stage, the final stage, which really in essence isn't the final stage because the process of grief is not linear, is acceptance and hope.
1: And in that stage, you learn to accept and deal with the reality of your situation, Acceptance does not necessarily mean instant happiness. Given the pain, the turmoil you have experienced, you can never return to the carefree and trouble you that exists before this tragedy, but you will find a way forward. Um, you will start to look forward and actually plan things to the future. And eventually, you will be able to think about your lost loved one without pain, sadness, um... You may feel a wrenching pain, but you will once again anticipate some good in your life.
0: Yeah. Abrea, I understand that you recently lost somebody in your life. Let's talk about that.
2: So...
1: So yesterday, um, wake up to a text message from a family member that I need to call him. And, um, I kinda knew what it was about, but at the same time, it was just, you don't think of bad things like that when you first wake up You try to have positive thoughts, be optimistic. Um, call my cousin to find out that my aunt died around, um, 1 a.m. that morning, um it was expected. And even though it was expected, the shock still hit me. I had no words. I didn't know what to do. My first thought was, Okay, so I have to go home. And that's all I knew. I just knew I had to go home. Um I informed my job and I was informed. <laughs> That for me to go home, I would not receive paid time off. I would just have to leave and lose out. That by itself pushed me into a thought of where I couldn't even focus that much on my family no more. Because I needed to now focus on how am I going to make going home work to grieve my aunt, spend time with my family, comfort my cousin... but instead of thinking of dumb things I was now thinking of how can I make sure I meet my hours and still make a flight home to New York
0: it sounds tough doesn't sound like you're getting the support you need regarding your grief process
1: I agree Um, it's not much support there but when something like that comes into play, it. Like I said, it takes your mind off of the grief. Because now you feel like you have a bigger problem that shouldn't be a problem. Um,
0: Sounds like that problem would trigger anger.
1: Yeah. A lot of anger, a lot of frustration, a lot of. Um, I, it kind of made me think of. Well, you should have went home a couple of weeks ago. You should have went for a weekend Guilt. yeah 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 so um i I don't know it was an uh, interesting um stages to go through so
0: you went through so you already went through all the stages that quit? no absolutely <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, but the few stages that I did hit mm hmm I thought they were very interesting because for me to feel like I should have went home only comes into play because of the frustration from my job. So my thought was I should have went home to see my family so that if my job say no, at least I didn't feel bad about not going this time.
0: Right.
1: So now I have the guilt of if I don't go, not only will I feel guilt from not going, but then my family will probably be mad I didn't go. Because they
0: wouldn't really understand that yeah. your job doesn't support you in such a way. Probably look at you. You know they always think that therapists make so much money that you would just be walking away from um not a some, you know not a big amount of money per se because you have other money that you that would cover you. And they're looking at their own situation. They may have the flexibility, and they're right there in that same area versus yeah. you. On the other side of the United States, at the bottom.
1: And then the family who does take the time off to come up to New York. So the family from Virginia and Rocky Mount, which is, what, 30, 45 minutes from Raleigh? Mm-hmm. Um, the families from the Washington area. Them, those family members who would come up would probably wonder, well, why couldn't she come up? Right. And that's hard to explain because, once again, like you said, they don't understand that. So for them, is well, you couldn't just take the time off. You couldn't just tell your job. Um, and I have even thought about it myself. If the even if the homegoing services arrangements were like made on a Friday evening, I could always leave Friday morning and miss that one day, mm-hmm. and it wouldn't hurt me as much. Um, but then. And the field that I'm in is always so, uh, I will have to come back and play catch up.
0: I'm sorry to hear that. How are you dealing with it today?
1: I would say today is easy because I have so much to do. (laughs) So, when you have things to do, are you really sitting at home thinking of your memories with your family? What's that art? No. Distraction. You're yeah. distracting yourself. Very distracted. Um, mm-hmm. And that feeling probably will not hit me until I go home. It won't hit me until I go home and she asks me questions about how I'm doing, how's work. It won't hit me until she asks me to persuade my cousins to go to school and inform them about how living on campus is and how, what stuff they need to take to live on campus. It won't hit me until... I go home and see for myself that she's not here.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And then I think my denial and anger will come into place when I hit New York City.
0: New York City? (laughs) Yeah, I remember in 1995, July 13th, 1995, my brother Chuchi was killed, murdered, shot, executed his gang affiliation, and I remember going through all the stages of grief that we mentioned earlier, and 25 years later, still experience that times, some parts of it at times, that his death was the very driving force for me to do what I do in life right now, as at the time I was heavily involved with drugs and gang activity. At that age, at that time, I would have never thought of being in the helping field and being a therapist or any of that stuff, it was almost like I said before: everything happens for a reason, even though we may not know the reason. Um, so, how do you, how does one effectively deal with the pain of grief? I, for myself, like you was mentioned earlier, distraction. You know, what I'm saying keeping busy, sticking to a schedule. But I would also say allowing yourself to mourn, you know what I'm saying? Allowing yourself to cry, allowing yourself to grieve is also a way to effectively deal with it instead of bottling it up, holding it, and then boom, something happened and boom, crack a lack a lack something bad happened because you didn't appropriately process your feelings of grief. Um, I found that support groups, grief support groups, has been beneficial I find going to my therapist has been beneficial. My psychiatrist is beneficial, you know, regarding depression symptoms and feelings of grief as it pertains to that. Positive supports, natural supports, are also beneficial. You know, as you talk about the pain you're going through and the things you're going through, that way you don't feel like you're on an island going through it by yourself. You know what I mean? What about you? How do you effectively deal with? The grief that you're currently experiencing
1: my natural support is my biggest um my biggest support so I try to find time to do things that I still enjoy and some things would be shopping and going to dinner so me and my girls <laughs> or a family member because I have a few cousins down here will go and hang out and even though it's a distraction it gives me that sense of love because it's still family here.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It makes me feel close to family because even though I'm so far, I'm still so close at the same time. All right. And I try to always think positive thoughts as in, okay, she's gone, and she was going through a lie, but she's not suffering. So I, I, um, I put a lot of faith into my religion with that so prayer helps yeah because you have to find comfort when there's nobody else around
0: right
1: you need to find comfort at 2am when there's nobody up for you to text or to call and depending on your spirituality that that can be very comforting at times
0: okay As a therapist, what are the best therapeutic practices as it pertains to helping a client deal with grief?
1: Support groups, as you said. Mm -hmm. Definitely your natural supports your family members if they are around. Mm -hmm. I would say exercising. Um, It doesn't hurt to go out for a walk, even if that is just around the block, even if that's... Just in your backyard, you're walking around your backyard. Mm-hmm. Just get out some, get some fresh air. A lot of the time staying inside the house just drives you crazy at times. Um, don't be afraid to say you need help. Reach out. Like, for my clients, when I see them and they are struggling, it's okay for them to say, I'm struggling, I need help. Right. So that I can assist them in whatever it is that they're needing. And the original coping skills, sometimes when we go through things, we stop doing things that we love. We forget that. We forget that the thing that we love to do makes us smile, brings us such enjoyment. And what we're going through so much, it's hard to think about that enjoyment. Right. So sometimes it's just helping your client by helping them set up something that they enjoy. Even if there's water painting, maybe it's journaling. Bring them a brand new journal, something pretty with color pens or something. You know, like something to get them excited about what they enjoy doing. And hope that it will spark something. But then um, to just want to go out and do it
0: again. Right, I can dig it. Well, for those that are experiencing grief, I encourage you to utilize your natural supports, but if it gets to be too too difficult to deal with it effectively or you don't have adequate natural supports, reach out to a person in the helping field, a social worker or therapist, in order to get the support you need. Look up support groups for grief and things of that nature. And um, allow yourselves to grieve, but not to the point where it debilitates you, hurts you, or keep you from doing what you need to do for yourself because the person who passed away wouldn't want that for you, or at least they shouldn't. So if if you're interested in finding a therapist, you can utilize the um, United Way's helpline by dialing 211 on your cell phone or home line. I say home line like, like who really has a house phone these days, let's be honest. So, by dialing 211 or also Googling mental health and putting in your zip code in Google Maps. If you have any questions, concerns, or issues, feel free to reach out to thantherapy.org and they can lead you in the right di- direction. Once again, that's thantherapy.org, utilizing the contact form and we can assist you with getting in the right direction regarding your stabilization as it pertains to grief or whatever what other issues that may be impacting you. Abrea, any last words?
1: My last words would be to remember to take your time when grieving. It's okay to feel pain. It's okay to feel anger. It's okay to feel lonely at times. It's okay to go through the seven stages. But don't let it take over your life.
0: And that concludes another episode of More Than Therapy.
2: Join us for listening sessions. This is a unique opportunity for white women to hear directly from brilliant black women educators, artists, activists, mothers, and master storytellers about an experience that impacted their lives significantly. We will listen, learn, reflect, and most importantly, walk away with actions about how we can change our own lives and approach to America as white women. Listening sessions is not a barometer of our awokeness or an exercise in guilt. It's an opportunity for increased empathy and action. Find listening sessions on Eventbrite.com. We're excited for you to join us.